Welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host, Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me today. If you're listening online or via a podcasting app, the simplest way to hear every episode of Garden of Sound is to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz right now and hit that subscribe button. It'll give you all sorts of exciting ways to ensure you never miss a program again. To business at hand, the second Garden of Sound live event is coming to the Exchange Christchurch on Friday the 2nd of November. If you were at the first event, you would have seen some amazing young bands take to the stage. Well, the second outing will be no different. Early bird tickets are now available at gardenofsound.nz or you can head along to eventbrite.com and search for Garden of Sound. Now, throughout September, we're revisiting some of the earliest programs from Garden of Sound, and today it's time to take a look back at the first ever Garden of Sound show with Emily C. Browning. When this first program initially aired, the show was only 25 minutes long, so today you get to hear the full interview with Emily, all of the songs she chose for you to hear, and a few new ones too. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily C. Browning on 96.9 Plains FM. Emily, what's the first memory of music in your life? My first memory is probably my father's vinyl collection. Um, He's a lover of music of the the 50s and 60s, and he had lots of vinyl of um, some really weird like out there 60s stuff, like um, there's a, an album called Herman's Hermits. Without really knowing how vinyl worked or what it was or what it did or how to be careful with it, we just threw vinyl on all the time and would just dance around the house to whatever he had, like Roy Orbison or the Mamas and the Papas or just any kind of Motown or that kind of stuff. So when did you start being musical? Uh, I kind of just sang a lot. Um, maybe because I liked the attention, <laughs> but I didn't really become musical as such until I started getting piano lessons, uh, with Clary Light. He's a, um, he's a local, I don't know if he's still, um, if he still is teaching around Canterbury, but, um, yes, so that was my first, uh, kind of sense of music and playing in a band because he would organise a band that would get together every year and tour the primary schools. So we'd do a mini tour, which was quite cool. Um, but after that, it wasn't until I started actually picking up the guitar that it really kind of started sinking in. My sister taught me a few chords or taught me a couple of riffs. She taught me um, the intro to uh, Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. And um, obviously I couldn't play the whole thing, but um, I, I remember sitting on the couch and just um, playing up to the part that I could and then going back to the start and playing back up to the same spot, going back to the start over and over again until I got yelled at by my sister. So, <laughs> Was there always music in your life or at some point did you think you'd sort of veer off in another direction, do something else? I sort of thought of music as a hobby. I didn't really see the potential of um, having music as a, a full-time career. I tried to do really well in high school, tried my best to get uh, some good grades and um, I went to uni <laughs> and um, studied speech and language therapy uh, because I thought that would be a good idea and I thought that's like kind of academic. They sort of they sort of tell you when you're in high school that you want to kind of be doing things that are academic, not necessarily um, uh, entrepreneurial or creative. So um, I guess I kind of followed that path because I thought it was the right thing to do, then kind of realised... This is not very fun. (laughs) 
Was there a defining moment or a point where you did say, right, music is for me? Yes. There was a point where I was working in retail, <laughs> which is not a huge amount of fun, but, um, you know, like it still did me well for a time, but then I went, this is not what I'm going to be doing forever. Uh, I decided to move to um, Australia, to Melbourne, and go... Um, I want to live in a creative city and do music and take it seriously. So I tried that. So who were the big bands in Melbourne around that time? That was when there's this band called Hiatus Kyoshi. They're from Melbourne. That was when they started um, to kind of rise up and they were doing a lot of tours in the USA. Um, so I didn't actually get to see them live. A friend that I was working with um, in retail, because I moved to Melbourne, got a job in retail, he didn't really know me at all. So at first shift together and he said, I think you would like this band. <laughs> Just by looking at you, I think you'd like their sound. So um, I went back and listened and I was like, this is amazing. Unfortunately, while I was in Melbourne, I didn't actually do a lot of music. It was kind of like I grew as a person, but I kind of took a step back as a musician. But I'm so glad that I did it. It just didn't turn out exactly how I wanted it to. So let's talk about musical influences. Mm -hmm. We've heard from uh, from your dad at least. You got some '60s stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Sent you on the way. Yes. Personally, I mean, who's inspired you to make music? What do you love listening to? Uh, I still love listening to '60s. I love Motown. I love the Supremes, the Temptations, um, the Four Tops, and all of that kind of era. But I also am really partial to. Um, Women who play guitar and uh, write songs, uh, for example, is uh, St. Vincent, um, Leanne Le Havis, Emily King, Napalm from Hiatus Cody. Is there a track you'd like to play from one of those artists? Yes. A woman called Emily King, who I went and saw over the weekend in the Auckland Arts Festival. Um, and she blew my mind. It was just her and her guitarist um, producer, Jeremy Most, and they were just a duo together. And they um, every single song just Blew my mind, so um, here's a wee track from Emily King. Something in the air is calling me, turn the light on. Something about the night that makes you see what you don't want. Think about it every time I sleep, there is someone creeping at me, swear they're Closer to him, getting closer to him. 
is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily C. Browning on 96.9 Plains FM. Hi, I'm Marina from Dan's Produce. When you're putting food on the table, it's not just about the cost, it's also how good it tastes. At Dan's Produce, you get both. Lower prices and fresher food, all from a great city location. And when we say fresh, all the fruit and veg you buy from Dan's is kept cool and undercover no matter what's happening outside. So next time you're out shopping, make a beeline for Dan's Produce. On the corner of Draper Street and Stanmore Road, just over the bridge. And if you let us know you heard this ad on Garden of Sound, you'll get an extra 10% off your next shop. Dan's Produce, open 8 till 6, 7 days a week. On the corner of Draper Street and Stanmore Road. One of the new tracks Emily wanted to share with you today is from The Adults. Emily will be joining John Toogood's supergroup on stage at Blue Smoke next Friday the 14th, so be sure to check that one out.
What was the first musical event or gig or concert uh, you attended? Um, it was uh, it was a concert called. It was hosted by um, the Edge Radio Station. Am I allowed to mention other radio stations? Of course you are. We're all friends. <laughs> good. Equals. Equals. Good. Uh, so the Edge hosted a show called Edge Fest. Um, I'm not sure if they still do it, but they uh, for a while they did it every year. And I think that I was 14 years old. And um, the lineup that year was uh, some really great uh, Kiwi bands and a few Australian bands. Uh, there was Op Shop, um, Blind Spot, uh, which were great, uh, Thirsty Merc, and um, 48 May, and a whole lot of others, which were um, really big on the radio at the time and they were circulating um, through New Zealand and I remember feeling quite proud of the fact that a whole bunch of New Zealand bands and artists were um, doing really well on New Zealand radio um, which kind of cultivated this um, great excuse to host um, festivals held in New Zealand such as Edgefest. Um, it was held in the um, Horncastle Arena which back then was Westpac Arena or whatever the name was. Um, Yes, and it was just such a great day of just um, awesome music. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've seen a few gigs, and I guess you've seen a few sort of disasters or you know things go wrong in your time. You personally, what's the what's the worst gig or worst musical performance you've been part of? Uh, I've had a few shockers. Um, but the worst one that I can remember, and I think I remember it mostly because I'm, I associate it with the, the, the most embarrassment. Um, I think as I grew up, I, I kind of grew less embarrassed about whatever went wrong. But um, I was uh, still in high school, and I think I was in um, uh, something like fifth form or um, well, my last year anyway. So um, it was at Kaipoi High School, and they held, um, held a fair. So it was the Kaipoi Fair. Um, and my band at the time, uh, we were that kind of the house band who was just kind of in the corner on a stage playing, um, various, uh, Pearl Jam songs or whatever, <laughs> whatever we were, um, jamming at the time. And, um, uh, my friend and I, my friend who was in the band, um, we were really getting into Jeff Buckley at the time. And uh, we were kind of sort of half learning his songs and going, oh, yeah, that's so cool. I wish I could sing like that. And so um, at the fair, uh, we both look at each other. We go, how about we do Grace? <laughs> of all the songs in the world we could jam to, Grace, which probably has 150 chords in it. Um, we're like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just see how it goes. And so we got um, our drummer to um to kind of just play a beat he didn't know the song at all so it was like okay so ryan was um ryan was singing at the top of his lungs trying to do the the jeff buckley thing and um and i didn't really know the chords so i was like oh i don't really know what i'm doing didn't have a bass player just a drummer vocalist and some electric guitar and um it was just a, a nightmare and it really didn't go down well and on monday at school my music teacher was like yeah that song was really bad and we went oh yeah <laughs> so i had yeah. jeff buckley died at this point yes he, he had. had it's definitely rolling over in yeah. his watery grave in mississippi <laughs> oh, he went, that would have no. been a, that would have been amazing 
to hear or to yeah. I wish there was a recording. I do know? too. I really do. Wow. <laughs> Have you played Grace since? No. I, there were a few years where I f- refused to listen to it because it was just such a bad experience. But um, recently I've kind of let myself get back into it and go, it doesn't matter, it's in the past, and who even cares? It was a high school event. So, What did you learn from this experience? Uh, I learned uh, if you're going to jam a song that you barely know, try and uh, try and decide on a song that's probably about four chords that you can just roll around with and people can uh, maybe take a solo or do a little interlude or uh, change the dynamics. But, yeah, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Just don't. <laughs> okay, so what's your what's your all-time favourite piece of music? And I know that's pretty tough. And, it is a, it is a really, really, really tough question. Um, there is so much music that I enjoy, um, so much music that I'm constantly being introduced to, but um, I guess when people ask this question, they're usually implying what's something that you've listened to for years and years and years. Um, so uh, I found this track, which is... Um, it reminds me of my mother and um, it reminds me of my nana and I think um, they both used to play it um, and I think that I didn't actually really appreciate it at the time that much. It was just another song on the vinyl collection, you know. So, um, But now as I, um, as I kind of re-dive into the Motown kind of era and get back into it, I realise how well-written, well-performed, how great the band is intros and outros everything's really tight but also slightly um imperfect i really like the imperfection about the motown era because you sometimes you only had one take or sometimes you only had um a few tracks you could actually work to so um this is a song by mary wells called my guy and i actually play this song when i gig now because it's um turned into one of my favorites again so here it is
Another of the new tracks Emily wanted to play today was my fellow Kiwi artist Chelsea Jade. So here it is, Lowbrow. I try to take it as a joke But my heart goes up in smoke When you push me, tease me low I wonder if you know Now everybody looks at me like everything I've ever said has still gotta be true But nothing is as easy to forget as what you never really knew Now you make me feel
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily C. Browning on 96.9 Plains FM. So can you describe your music making process, how the ideas arrive, how they sort of get churned out? Uh, it's a terrible word. It's, um, it's a hard process. Sometimes I say um, that it's almost like pulling teeth. <laughs> um, so what I do if I'm if I've decided that I would like to sit down and write something, um, I try to go in with um, the knowledge that this is not going to be the greatest thing I've ever written. So um, it's likely that it's not going to be great. Just try and get something out, um, and that will be it for the day or for the hour or whatever. Um, so what I'll do is I'll sit down um, and kind of noodle on the guitar and um, try and do some free, um, sort of free singing uh, without really um, having an idea of lyrics. And often I will just kind of blurt something out that'll be what I've been deeply thinking about for the last few weeks or um, my subconscious will, will string a sentence together for me that I've... Um, been churning away at for so long but then after that you've got one line and you go oh cool this is a really great concept and then it's like now what now you actually have to um be really decisive about where where it's going and um what your concept is you can't when it comes to songwriting um obviously there are no rules but um as a songwriter it's a um it's a good tool to um stick to the concept you've um decided on without kind of floating away and um, going on too many tangents because the listener doesn't really relate to that. So um, once you've um, once you've found your idea, then it's kind of like you have to structure your lyrics around that. You have to structure your melody around that. So that's why I kind of liken it to pulling teeth because it is really really hard. But if you um, create something, doesn't matter if you like it or not, it's so worth it. So if you if you can um, get uh, even a chorus or a whole song or just a verse and a chorus, um, something out, then uh, it's a really, really good feeling. And what are the tools of your trade? You've mentioned guitar. You, you guitar? play keyboards as well? Uh, I've, I have written a few songs on the piano before, um, but I'm not particularly good at it. I find that the process has slowed down even further because I'm still trying to figure out where my chord voicings are. Mm -hmm. um, guitar is... Uh, my favorite thing to write on because um, I just have a little bit more practice with that one. Um, I have my phone with me because it has the voice memo app and I've got thousands upon thousands of ideas of little snippets of um, just um, free rambles, um, most of which um, don't ever get played again, <laughs> but they're still there. Um, and I have the notepad app, which I can write my lyrics in and um, if I'm struggling to write lyrics, I'll write sort of a stream of consciousness and just kind of get everything out that's on the top of my brain. Just write it all out. And it doesn't matter, like, grammar or doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. Just get it out. And then sometimes from that, you can pick out little lyrical ideas from the three paragraphs that you've written or whatever. And the thing that I like about um, Notepad as opposed to using a pen and paper, if you change one word, you don't have to cross it out and write over the top of it. You can just go back and... And just fill it. It's just neater, I find. I mean, I, I always love to have physical pen and paper because it feels, um, it feels natural. But uh, yes, I like 
the way that technology is moving personally. <laughs> What's your favorite guitar? Uh, the one you enjoy playing most? The one that I enjoy playing most, probably my acoustic guitar that I've had for years. It's kind of been my workhorse for gigging. It's, um, it's an Ibanez. Um, and uh, I do have a, a Fender Stratocaster, which I, which I do love. Um, but sometimes I find the tone is, is a wee bit bright. So can be a wee bit quacky and twangy, but um, I still love it. But when it comes to songwriting, sometimes I do prefer to pick up the acoustic because it feels uh, warmer or um, fuller in a way. But both, either or. I'm not really fussed so much. Can we hear something that you've written? Yes. Uh, so this is a song that I wrote uh, just with me and the guitar, but um, it kind of evolved over time. I started using this... Um, this uh, vocal effects pedal and what it does, it, it creates um, creates harmonies over top of what your what your melody is. And so I was playing with that, and I um, created like a live version for YouTube. And someone found the YouTube clip um, of this kind of vocal effects thing, and he went, he took that um, vocal effect and produced a whole track underneath it, um, which was really great. So. Uh, he sent it to me and I went, cool, let's re-record the vocal to a click because it sounds pretty off. So um, we redid everything and um, that's how that came about. So this is um, my track called Lover, produced by Tree Theatre. See you. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Emily C. Browning on 96.9 Plains FM. Hi, it's Marina from Dan's Produce with a reminder that you can get 10% off your next shop just by letting us know that you heard this ad on Garden of Sound. That's 10% off your next shop at Dan's Produce just by saying you heard this ad on Garden of Sound. Dan's Produce on the corner of Draper Street and Stanmore Road. So what's been your best musical memory um, or your most rewarding project to work on thus far? Uh, last year, 2017, um, in August, I uh, went to the USA and I um, self-managed a, um, a, th- a four-date tour um, and I started in New York, went to Nashville and Los Angeles. By the time I got to Los Angeles, um, I had the help of a, a band who was already there, who um, uh, an artist who already wanted to play this really big show, and he said, "Well, why don't we make it a triple bill? I'll um, I'll do the headline. You can open for me, and we'll have an opener for you." So, um, uh, what was the name of that band? Jake Davis. So it's more uh, it's more Jake Davis as an artist plus band. So um, yeah, and I was. Um, in that with uh, Elise Tro. Um, she's uh, also a singer-songwriter, but she's um, predominantly a drummer, and she's picked up the bass and guitar. She does um, live looping, and she does the kind of full band effect in, um, in the one hit, which is really great. So that was really fun. Um, but the thing is that because we'd all um, kind of banded together with um, the online following that we each have, and... Excuse me. Could I get you to move just... Just, uh, can I move that just closer to yeah. you? Only cause sure. Of course. Great. Okay, so um, pick it up from... Mm-hmm. So because we each had our own online following. Yes. And because we each had our own uh, following, we were able to band together um, and uh, pack out the venue, which was the Teragram Ballroom. So it's probably like a 500... 600 person venue so that was really fun and um afterwards um the thing that blew my mind the most and was the most rewarding was um having a line of people waiting to say hello to me (laughs) of all people and um so it was really nice to kind of meet the people who um follow me internationally and um actually see their faces because you can sort of feel a little bit disconnected online sometimes so it was really nice to see uh, real human beings being like I follow you and I love your music it's like wow it kind of hits you again that people actually like what you do how important is social media to you in this business like it's it, it's the, probably the only reason that I was able to actually self-manage a tour there's no way I could have done it by myself without having um, a, a following there already so did the funding come through that uh the funding it- for it was kind of um i i funded most of it myself and i had a friend who was um kind of invested in what i do and he helped me um, book some flights and um so uh that's kind of a, a little deal that we have going on so um uh yes so it was i don't have like management or an agent or a label or anything so um mostly self-funded uh but also um, with the help of people who could uh, say, oh, I know this venue, and I know the person who organises it, let me hook you up, let me CC you in an email. So that's how it all came together. Do you see music as a as a privilege or, or a right? Uh, 
a bit of both. It's certainly a privilege to be able to play music in front of people. Um, I think it's a, everyone has a right to express their creativity um, in some way or another. And if you are a creative person, you certainly have a right to um, put your things out in the world and there will be a niche somewhere who likes what you do. Um, if you work hard at it, it doesn't matter if you do some weird out there, whatever, you should be. You should have the right to actually express that and have... Um, uh, and have people who like that or um, can relate to you be like, oh, I love what you do. <laughs> um, it's sort of a very connecting experience. So have you got any advice for any young people, those who want to sort of get into the business, what they should be doing right now if they want uh, to progress? Well, right now is the best time to be um, shedding your instrument or shedding your talent. What is it that you do? Are you working at it every day? Are you practising it? Um, when you're uh, young, maybe in high school, are, are you? Um, it's actually the uh, the best time, the uh, the most time that you have to actually uh, work on what it is that you want to do. Are you a singer? Are you practicing your scales? Are you um, doing your warm ups? Are you a bass player? Are you uh, learning r- new riffs and new scales every day, or at least you know five days a week, whatever you can fit in. Um, because when you finish high school, you'll find that life kind of hits you from every angle and you might not um, have the drive or the, the ability or the time to really do that. Um, but, of course, after high school is still... <laughs> Sorry, I'm working myself into a hole here saying you have to do it in high school. You don't actually have to do anything at any time. But um, uh, advice for young people is to um, get serious about what you do and... Um, uh, do something every day that's um, that's going to help you in the future. Like, for example, maybe today is the day that you reach out to a venue and say, hey, can I do a gig? Or maybe today's the day that you um, set up a Facebook page uh, or uh, maybe ask someone about a website or maybe uh, today's the day that you write a draft bio. <laughs> Just something, like anything. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be big. I find that the, the little steps are the ones that um, create the biggest um, outputs. So what's your biggest unfulfilled? Actually, now I'm going to ask you something. This is just one last sort of serious one. Mm-hmm. Um, have you encountered any form of sexism in oh, yes. the music industry? <laughs> yes, definitely. Actually, I was thinking about this this morning. I was getting really angry. There is, um, I won't name them. There's an Instagram page of a um, common uh, guitar and bass effects pedals company. Um, and they. I can sort of see that the page is um, curated by a male um, just by the things that they post. Uh, some of it is um, verging on uh, sexism but kind of sits on the line, which is equally as bad because it's like you see the people commenting who do push it over the line and go, oh, ha-ha, let's make it even worse by commenting this. It's like, oh, great. Um, also, uh, I do find that whole good for a girl thing is um, still a thing that's around. It's like people don't see you as a guitarist. They see you as a female guitarist and put you in a separate category. Um, I want to be good for a musician. I want to be a guitar player that's good for a guitar player. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and people also are still kind of caught up on... Um, uh, the image of a woman, uh, what are they wearing? More focused on, ah, oh, she's good, but she's showing too much cleavage. Oh, she's good, but she's um, she's covered up everything. Like, it's just, you know, you can't win. <laughs> Anything that you do is um, subject to be 
um, uh, poked at, commented on, prodded at. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why don't you look like that? Why don't you brush your hair? It's silly. <laughs> yes. Um, what's the biggest thing you want to do? What's an unfulfilled dream or sort of musical fantasy? This year, 2018, is the year that I, I want to um, have a, a physical copy of something that I that I have released in my hands, like an EP or something. Like a, It doesn't have to be good quality. It can be one of those kind of small papery packets of a CD. Um, and uh, just have some stuff on Spotify. I mean, I've got that song Lover, but um, it's still under the name of Tree Theatre. That's his personal Spotify. I mean, my name is on it, but it's not my personal Spotify account. So I'd really love to um, make some really high-quality um produced tracks and uh, release them under my name have a physical copy um, sell some stuff at gigs um, have a product that I can um, use as leverage to move forward it's awesome uh, thanks so much for joining us in Garden of Sound You're is welcome. there a track that you want to uh, play us out with today yes there is um, I mentioned earlier that I, I I'm really into um women who are singer-songwriters and who play the guitar and play it well. So um, this is a track by Leanne La Harvis, um, and it's called Midnight. And um, in the opening, you, you'll hear this kind of guitar riff. Um, it's actually really hard to play. I've tried it before. Um, and she just does that through the whole song. Um, and it's quite... Uh, you can see that she's written this guitar riff and then expanded on that by... Um, uh, taking it to a producer, an engineer, and saying, how can we build on this? And they've layered things underneath it, and eventually it just becomes its own entity, becomes its own track. So here it is, Midnight.
lonely for a while Cause I've been lost to the unknown Hope to be alright time for just one more extra track today so I'd like to share with you a song by Marie Dahlstrom from the Her Songs Project in Los Angeles I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about this in the months to come here's that track by Marie called Bring Me Back
Thank you so much for joining me today. This week's programme was a replay of the interview done with Emily C. Browning back in April this year. Emily will be at Blue Smoke next Friday alongside John Toogood, performing as part of the adults. So be sure to get tickets to that one. And speaking of tickets, please do get in quick to purchase your early bird tickets for the next Garden of Sound live event happening on November 2nd at the Exchange in Christchurch. You can either follow the link from gardenofsound.nz or go straight to eventbrite.com and search for Garden of Sound. As always, thank you so much for joining me this week. Please do subscribe to the show and follow Garden of Sound on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound.